Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, oh boy. I mean, I don't know. Hi, Adam. How, how are you doing? Do I, Not well. I'm, like scared, I'm scared to ask you how you're doing. Not that is well. the level that we are at at this point. D- 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 no, no, no. I hate the New York Knicks. I hate fucking basketball. Just, it, it truly is amazing just how one franchise can be so idiotic and so dysfunctional, just all in the same token. It, it I, I, I mean, honestly, it, it's just, it really, really is. It's just like, like what, 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 what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, I mean, they're basically tripping over themselves. What else is fucking new? I know. What else is fucking new with this goddamn team? That's all we do is trip over ourselves. I mean, you're making signings that we that like are instantly regrettable. The second that pen was put to paper, like Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, Julius Randle. Well, Julius Randle at least had a good season. Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker was a shell of himself in Oklahoma City. Who and Evan Fournier was a no-show. He was a deadline buy for the Celtics, and he was a no-show in the playoffs for that team. Adam, when the Knicks don't win an NBA championship this year, it is going to be 50 years since the Knicks have won a championship. 50-5-0-1973. And the Knicks are one of the three oldest franchises in the NBA. And we've only won two championships. Yep. Two championships. And what's really sad about the entire thing and why the process is so fucked up is because we have all this Jalen Duran nonsense that's going on that you had Shams that was posting that Knicks were getting him. And I was like, oh, that's who we should have fucking drafted. I was like, oh, okay. All right. We get some, we get some assets and we still get Jalen. Like, okay. All right. Fine. Okay. But then, whoa, just saying he's going to fucking Detroit. Because we, we just want out of campus contract. So we attach a first-round pick, a player selected in the first round, and Kevin Walker's contract to Detroit. And we get... Yeah. What? What? We don't have a player. We need players. We need players. The return is TBD, literally. No, the return is is having a two-hour lunch date with Jalen Brunson and his father. Well, I mean, on the trade, I mean, the, the return is like... TBD. We don't we don't know what it is at the moment. But here's the thing that like we do. It's, I don't, it's, a, it's a first round pick. It's a first round pick for Milwaukee, I believe, like a 2025 first. I thought that was what the Hornets got because it's a three team deal. Oh, maybe. Oh no, was. they got a they got a pick via Portland in 2025, a first round pick. The Knicks did. No, the Hornets did. Oh, okay. Then yes, the Knicks. According to ESPN, that, it's TBD. Yeah, the Knicks. Uh, what I just what I heard was that it was a 2025 for Milwaukee. 
that belong to Detroit. So well, what's it doesn't annoying, fucking matter though. It, it, it confusing about the NBA draft is that you get really hyped up when a team selects a player that you want, and then you have no idea if they're going to immediately get traded. Because at least right. with the NFL, you don't know. Like you know, gets, you know instantly. When a pick gets traded, it's like this new team is on the clock. They have time to, to select a player. But with the NBA, it's like, wow, that's exciting. Uh, that guy from Australia who played in the Australian in the Australian league that we traded to the Thunder, uh, Usman Dieng. Oh, he could be cool. Nope, traded to the Thunder. Oh, Jalen Duran or Duran. He's cool. He is a center. Awesome. Up oh, traded to Detroit for to get out of Kemba Walker's contract. I mean, I don't know. I think that. I don't like the way the NBA draft is handled in that way. Cause I think that it should just be like, why let the team, if you know, you're going to trade, if you're in the works to trade that player, then why won't you just, you know, trade the pick while the team's on the clock. It's, it's confusing for all involved, but anyway, that's, that's a side rant. But I mean, the Knicks need, need players to, play basketball i mean this is a team that is allegedly supposed to be a contender no no contender for what the lottery first i don't even know the fucking golf course well that's what leon rose thinks at tea time no that's what leon rose and, Tipper, and tom that's what leon rose and tom Thibodeau think contender for what we're not doing anything Jalen Brunson's going to come save the day? No, Jalen Brunson fucking sucks. Oh, we're magically going to go trade for Kyrie. Kyrie doesn't show up for work. I don't want to trade for Kyrie. Never. Never in a million years. No, no. Absolutely not. Fuck That's the worst. That. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. What a headache that would no. be. No. No, I need people to show up for work. At least Jalen Brunson's going to show up for work when there's a global crisis. And when I say global crisis, I mean that, uh, I I don't don't fucking know, Uh, a a tree fell on Fifth Avenue and, I don't know, uh, took out a garbage truck and there's garbage all over the place. Maybe Kyrie can't show up for work because there's, uh, I don't know, a a two-degree raise in the temperature of New York City. Because of the of the garbage incident, I have no fucking idea. But you get my fucking point. I need people so that are going to show up for fucking work, and yes. Kyrie Irving is no guarantee to show up for work. And even then, he's like, I don't know how good he is anymore either. Like he just Kyrie's good. No, 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 no. Adam, Adam, Adam. Kyrie is good. Kyrie is good. But he's no guarantee to show up. But the best ability is availability. Correct. Correct. Kyrie is no guarantee to show up for work. It's a headache. And we're going to pay him. F- he wants a four-year deal, four, five-year deal near, near max money. <laughs> Let him go to Charlotte or some other team. <laughs> he's go- he thinks he's going to get a four or five-year to max, max contract. Oof. <laughs> He's funny. He he's a funny he, guy. Who does he he's think? Funny guy. Who does he think he is? Honestly, king shit. Apparently, king shit. Apparently, but you know what? You know what though, Adam? You know what, Adam? You you, you know what Kyrie Irving would bring to the New York Knicks? He would bring a fucking player that we don't have because we haven't gotten anybody tonight. 
a competent point guard also. A fucking point guard that we haven't had in 20 fucking years. I mean, my God, it's so fucking simple. It's so simple. Yet these idiots make it so fucking hard. I mean, it's it's like it's weird because it's like the old it's like hockey almost. It's like they're old hockey men, except Leon Rose is an agent and Tom Thibodeau is an old basketball man who likes to do old basketball man things. And, 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 you know, and you know what's crazy? I don't mean to cut you off, Adam. I'm sorry. But there's just something that came, came, that came to my head. I'll make this very, very brief. You continue your thought. There's no guarantee that Jaden Ivey or whomever would have played under Tom Thibodeau. There's no fucking guarantee. He still probably would have wanted to re-sign Derrick Rose and have him start on opening night. Go ahead. By the way, why is it? Apparently, the Knicks and the Rangers have the same coach. Like, it's the same, it's the same guy, but in two different bodies. Gerard Gallant and Tom Thibodeau are the same coach. Adam, <laughs> I'm having very, very, very bad thoughts at this moment in time, thanks to the New York Knicks. I do not need you comparing the Knicks to the New York Rangers right now. All right, I'm just saying. It, the, the, there is a main no, difference. There is a team that brings me happiness in the New York Rangers, and there is a team that brings me pure despair and misery in the New York Knicks. I'm aware. I'm just saying the parallels are there. But um, I just think they're making old, like old basketball man moves where they're just not thinking for the future. They're trying to save their jobs somehow. I mean, it's not it's just not going to happen. I don't know how they're not Tom fired already. Yeah. I mean, Tom they fired tonight. Should... All of them. All of them gone. Goodbye. See ya. He has a, like... Thibodeau, we know, already had, has a shelf life. We didn't think it was going to be a year, but, I mean, it already seems like players are tuning him out. He should have been gone at the end of last year. He should have been gone. And honestly, Never I think that's should the have reason. should come back. I mean, conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat, but I think that's why Kenny Atkinson went back to the Lakers and didn't take the Hornets job is because he's waiting for a job at the Garden to open up for him. I fucking hope so. Me too. That little sliver of hope that I have about Kenny Atkinson being coach of the Knicks. It's still alive. It's still alive. But honestly, I don't know if I want an ex-Knicks assistant being coach of the goddamn team after this debacle. Well, it's different. because Here's what I don't want, Adam. You ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. I don't want ex-GMs being in my front office. I don't want agents being the GM. I don't want player contacts being the assistant to the GM. I don't want ex-assistant to the team being coach of the team. That disqualifies, disqualifies a lot of people. I'll fucking do it. I can do, I can do a better job than, than these idiots. Probably. Because at least you would know to get to you know the draft, get players in the draft. At least you know that. Oh, I would have mortgaged the fucking farm to go get Jade and Ivy and get ourselves a fucking point guard. Like, when when are we going to learn? When are we going to learn with this stupid team? Like, can I be happy? 
Like Jesus about, Christ. About basketball? No. No, you no. can never be happy. No. We can never be happy about basketball. I swear to God, Adam. I swear to God. I don't ever throw this around. But I have seriously questioned my fandom with the New York Knicks tonight. I have seriously, seriously questioned it. You know, I've actually never heard you say that about any about any of the teams that you root for. Yep. That's how that is how pissed off I am right now. I mean, I've been pretty apathetic, like going through like the Fisdale years, and then I kind of got back into it for the one good year of 2020-2021. But I'm getting back towards being apathetic right now where I just don't even pay attention. Say, so, oh, the Knicks lost. Cool, I guess. Are the players developing at least? Is RJ Barrett becoming a superstar? Who knows? Jake and I were Jake and I were talking throughout um, throughout the draft, and he basically saw the meltdown occur. He he saw it firsthand, and what I basically said to him, his, the comparison that I had for him was: think of the last ten years that you've had with the New York Jets, multiply it by about fifty, and encapsulate it into one moment. And that's about how I feel right now with the New York Knicks. Was Jake a fan of the Nets when they won ten games? Like. 11 years ago? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) No, because that would have been a pretty good comparison where you just had, where you just do not give a fuck about your team. Jake, a fan of the Knicks, of the Nets 10 years ago when they were winning 11 games. Fuck no. Fair. It just just magically moved to Brooklyn and all of a sudden it's, Oh, they're not the Knicks. Okay, I'll be a Nets fan. Oh man, yeah. No, it is like being a Jets fan. This is this is like being a Jets fan. But at least the Jets have won more than one playoff round in the past twenty years. They made it to a conference championship or a conference mm-hmm. final, whatever. Yep. In the past twenty years, you've won a Super Bowl in the last twenty years when you beat the Patriots in Foxborough. Listen, that I don't counts hear for it. something. I don't want to hear it this time. Oh, my God. Adam, if we went to fucking Boston and the Knicks were in the playoffs, we beat the Celtics in a game seven in TD Garden. I would treat that like we won a fucking championship. But Honestly, that's just how I am. I get it. I get it with you Jets fans. How how you just the, 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 the long suffering. and You wanted something to be euphoric about. And that was it. I fucking get it because that's how I want to feel with the Knicks. I want there to be something to feel good about this godforsaken team. But there's nothing. There's just misery, despair, purgatory, consistent purgatory with this fucking team. And I'm done with this stupid fucking team. To be honest, after the double overtime win, the opening game of the season, a lot of the next fans treated that like we just won the NBA Finals. So I completely understand. I want to know what my blood pressure is right now. You want the numerical? You want the number right now? High. There you go. High. That's pretty high. Oh, my God. This fucking stupid fucking team. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm telling you. you, I'm telling you. It's going to be Jalen Brunson. And you are going to see me fucking explode because Jalen Brunson does not make this team better. He just, he, he doesn't, he doesn't. Now, if they fucking shock me 
and it's Donovan Mitchell, then I'll say, huh, okay, there's something. There is a start because Donovan Mitchell is a star player in this league. Jalen Brunson is not a star player. Malcolm Brogdon is not a star player. Yeah. Well, Malcolm Brogdon did win rookie of the year once. He is not a star player, Adam. He's not. He's not. I know. No. Jalen Brunson's not a star player. See, the thing about the Jazz is that I think. I mean, they're in turmoil, obviously, because of their coach resigning and, you know, Rudy Gobert's on the trade block, but they have the All-Star game this year. I don't know if they want to start doing a teardown either that they have the All-Star game. Just playing, like, 4D chess here. But, I mean, Donovan on this team would be fantastic. I totally agree with you. I mean, come home, Donovan, please. We know. I know. I know what it's like, Donovan, to move from New York to Utah, even though you had made a stop at or a stop wherever when you went to college, but yeah, no, I I, I don't get it. Yes, Bert. They traded four second round picks and a first to get rid of Kemba Walker and his contract. Four! What do they get in return? TBD. TBD. Well, would you look at that? They traded four second-round picks? The NBA NBA draft only has two rounds. What do you mean they traded four second-round picks? You heard me. Oh, my God. Four. Quattro. F. Oh, you are four. Really? They traded four? They traded five picks to get rid of Kemba Walker. Five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Five. How much do people not want Kemba Walker? The, The Knicks had to give up five draft picks to get rid of them including a first Adam there are two things that would make this rant just live in infamy and I would just feel very happy about the New York Knicks again one Donovan Mitchell two DeJounte Murray oh DeJounte Murray would be so good he would be our best point guard since Clyde. That's it. That's he it. It would be fantastic. If it's Kyrie Irving, find a new co-host. Honestly, if it's Kyrie Irving, uh, I might be taking a leave of absence from the NBA fandom, from NBA fandom for a bit. I don't think I can really do that. If it's Kyrie Irving, I'm taking a leave of absence for life from life for a little bit. Let the let the Knicks win a championship with Kyrie Irving. Fuck that. I'm not going to be a part of it. How about just making the playoffs? Let's just make the playoffs. Let's just not be an embarrassment. I know. I know. Like, but we still have fantasy to talk about. Yeah. You want to move on to 
well, honestly, this is kind of more negative because it's talking about regression patterns. Maybe we should have well, done that. Well, we do have we, we, we do have um, some breaking news that we did not talk about or we have not been on a podcast to talk about, and that is the uh, retirement for now of Rob Gronkowski for now. Semi-retirement? Semi-retirement, yeah. This is like... Him and Brady are the same way. It's like, I don't believe you. Oh, I don't believe this for a goddamn second. If the Bucks start the season like three and... Let's say... uh, Let's say start the season three and five. You don't think Tom Brady is like, hey, listen, buddy, Gronk. Come on, one one last job, huh? One last job. That that's what's gonna happen. You know that's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. Adam, I completely totally agree with you. I think Rob Gronkowski probably is out until like week fourteen or fifteen. Then he comes back, is with Brady for one more Super Bowl run, and then that's it. Like think of what Eric Weddle did with uh, with the Rams. Something similar. Yeah. Yeah, something, but that something was more of an. That was more of an emergency, I guess. But like, it's interesting with the Bucks, though, because you know they let OJ Howard walk in free agency. Who's the who would be their tight end? Would it be Cameron Bray? It then? would be Cameron Bray. Yep, and Cameron Bray got starter. moved up. He got moved up uh, pretty heavily in my ranks. Uh, Cameron Bray is my. Where did I move him? Uh, I'm just looking for him. Apologies. Um, da, 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 da. So he is right now. He's my tight end 13. My tight end 13 sitting at 112th overall. He's ahead. He's ahead of Komet. He's ahead of Noah Fant. He's ahead of Tyler Higby. He's ahead of Hunter Henry. He's below Mike Gesicki, but I'm very close to moving Brait over Gesicki. Uh, he's below Dawson Knox. He's below Pat Fryermuth. He's not. He's not challenging Knox or Fryermuth yet for me. But if if Godwin is going to be out, then yes, then Brait. Then I would have to start thinking about Brait as a top 100 pick. If you're telling me Godwin is going to be out for um, a significant amount of time, and then uh, there are other. Uh, news notes things that we could talk about um, after the fact too that are mere speculation um, so to speak but there are there are a couple things that, that I have heard uh, today I don't know if you've heard the same but we'll talk about them in a minute uh, is it about like mainly running back stuff because uh, it's one running back about... one running back item and one quarterback item well, I think it's the news that we saw that Antonio Gibson might see more goal line action, which could be oh, interesting. Oh, no. Nope. That is, no, not not that. that is not the thing that I saw. Nope. Or less goal line action. I'm sorry. Nope. That is not the thing that I saw. Oh. What was the thing you saw? That Alvin Kamara may be in line for a six-game suspension because of the uh, bar fight that he had night before the Pro Bowl. I cannot believe – I completely – I almost forgot about that. Well, if Al- if Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended for six games, then that leads me to conclude that the next item on the table of Deshaun Watson being suspended a year is absolutely 100% the truth. Yeah, which, frankly, 
I think she should be suspended for longer than that, but that's besides the point. Because he's a piece of shit, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. I think that, allegedly, but I think pretty likely he's a piece of shit and a predator. But, um, you know, I, it's interesting because if they're doling out that kind of, you're right, though, I agree with you. I think if they're doling out that kind of punishment for Alvin Kamara, um, then they might throw the book at Deshaun Watson. And, you know, good for the NFL for actually nutting up and doing something about this. Well, it's because of what of what I've talked about before. In the NFL knows they have eyes on this case from the from the uh, general public that there are people who are looking at this that are not necessarily football fans, but are wanting to see what happens with, with Deshaun Watson and, and this investigation. And they know that they have an opportunity to not, not really make an example of or set precedent, but make an example of and set precedent when it comes to, to this Deshaun Watson uh, situation. But we've also seen things um, not in this nature necessarily, but we've had, you know, Kareem Hunt and, and Ray Rice. I'm not comparing, you know, these, you know, these cases because they're obviously. Deshaun Watson's in a different plane of existence. It, yeah, it's very, very different. Very, very He's different. He's a serial, it's a serial assaulter that we're talking about here. Serial. But all, but the, the similarity between all of them is each has had the eyes of the general public on each of those cases. Yes. And we saw Ray Rice get heavily punished. We saw Kareem Hunt get heavily punished. And I think we're going to expect to see a very harsh punishment delivered to, to John Watson, whether people well, think he, whether people think he deserves it or not. That is that is up for debate. That is not my job to debate it. What I am what I am here to provide commentary on is the fact that there is proven cases before of things that are very similar in nature where guys have gotten the book thrown at them. And now, now that we have Alvin Kamara, who's going to be suspended six games, presumably for something that is way less than what Deshaun Watson did. It is very, very fair to expect that Deshaun Watson is going to get the book, the kitchen, the kitchen shelf, the refrigerator, the laundry machine, everything just thrown at. Yeah. And Ray Rice is a great example, actually, because it's an example that the NFL only cares when people are watching. Because, as you remember, Ray Rice only got like a two-game suspension, or maybe it was a four-game suspension. And yeah, four was gonna, a four-game, I believe. And the NFL is already to brush us under the rug. And then you know the TMZ footage came out of the actual incident in question, in question yep. and it made the rounds on the national media. And the NFL was like, "Oh shit, you know what are we going to do? We need to be harsher." towards this or people going to or people are going to think that we're too lenient on uh, domestic violence. So they basically blackballed Ray Rice from the league at that point. And rightfully so. Yeah, exactly. And he was taken out of Madden. I mean, that was the craziest part. Like that was was the craziest part is that he was taken out of Madden. That was the crowd out of everything that was with that case that the craziest thing of all was that he was taken out of Madden. Yeah, the great. Well, it was like extravagant, I think, to take him out of Madden. Unprecedented. Like, Unprecedented. 
it's it was weird. Like, listen, you're going to suspend the guy forever, basically. Uh, you know, he's going to get kicked off, like released from the Ravens. Um, never play it down in the NFL again. Sure. But like, take him out of Madden. Okay, sure. Whatever. Like, what's that going to do? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But uh, yeah, moving on to regression candidates as a whole. Uh, let's start off with our. Well, I do. I do want to mention uh, oh. something. Something else. Very, 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 very quickly. Um, if Alvin Kamara is suspended for the six games, I don't know where I'm going to be moving him down. But I am not going to be drafting Alvin Kamara in redraft leagues. However, were you were you going to in the first place? Um, I would have considered it. I would I, I honestly I would have considered it um, in the middle of the second round. You know, if you really were in need and you wanted to start running back, running back, then yeah, he, he would have been a great candidate to to try and target with uh, as a guy that has RB one upside. But now, now that's out that's out the window. Um, Jameis, I'll I'll still be spitting on him because the price is still going to be minimal. Uh, Michael Thomas would definitely get a boost. Would definitely get a boost for for the uh, potential uptick in receptions for for six games. But of course, he's got to show up to work. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if that if that happens. Yeah, you want to talk about the guys that that don't show up to work? But that's you know, what about Mark Ingram? I mean, that's the real thing because Mark Ingram is going to be. If this is the case, the marketing is going to be drafted. He might be overdrafted in a lot of places because people are going to be looking for the handcuff for Camara if they want to take that risk. Yes. Yep. And i I would not be, um, I would not be super smitten on the idea of trying to overdraft for Mark Ingram. Like I have Mark Ingram. This is after moving him up. Uh, a little bit today, as a result of the news, I have Mark Ingram moved all the way up to 167th overall. Um, obviously, that is going to continue to climb, especially if there is official news on a suspension related to uh, Alvin Kamara. But this is just in in reaction to the news, um, R.E. Kamara. So based off of speculation, I am moving Ingram up a little bit. But again, I am not going to be going crazy uh, for Mark Ingram. But he could be a guy that maybe you want to target uh, if you are going with a zero RB approach, that he could be a guy that you start your team off with. And maybe he's a guy that you try and sell high on to get yourself a running back that maybe has a slow start. So that could be something, maybe that could be a piece that you try and, and flip around. Um, but it's going to be very tricky to do just because I think a lot of managers are going to know that after week six, Mark Ingram's value is going to be next to nothing. So uh, that's yeah. just something something to just kind of be very weary of when you're trying to draft Mark Ingram and not overdrafting him, like Adam just said. Yeah, and that's really a matter of knowing your league and knowing the experience level and the gullibility and the team structure of the players or the other managers that you're trying to deal with. Because you could have a guy that drafted somebody in the first round who goes down, God forbid, with an ACL injury in camp or in week one mm-hmm. and they're in desperate need of a of a player like Mark Ingram who could be a quick fix for them until somebody more established uh, or like somebody like one of their sleepers hits or something like that sure. let's say sure um, so that's something that you can definitely look at 
but um, if you're in a league where you don't see a lot of obvious needs or obvious holes in your opponent's lineups, then yeah, drafting Mark Ingram, you should never be drafting a player with the sole intention of trading him later. That's just not a good strategy. I completely opinion. 100% agree with you. Because that's it. You should be drafting a player. I mean, listen, not with the expectation that you're going to keep them for all 16 or 17 weeks, but at least with the expectation that he's going to be on your team and playing. And if you have to trade him as a part of a deal, then so be it. But you just can't. You can't draft somebody being like, oh, I'll flip him later. It's It's just not how it works. Agreed. It just doesn't. It, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work well for you. Agreed. So I haven't done any movement on the Cleveland guys because obviously I'm waiting until we get forward on on Watson until I make any of those moves. Um, but I did tinker a little bit with Amari Cooper. Um, I had him at 39 overall in my full PPR ranks. And I moved him down to 46. So I moved him down seven spots um, behind the likes of, we're just talking receivers, below the likes of DK Metcalf, below the likes of Brandon Cooks, below the likes of Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And honestly, the running backs for Cleveland, I don't know how much movement they're necessarily going to have because the, the running backs will be, will still be good regardless of who's at quarterback for the Browns. It depends on who who is a quarterback for the Browns, but they're still going to be good regardless. I think. Like, how much rushing would Deshaun Watson potentially take away from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? To be honest with you, I can give you. My, a, I can give you my projections for him. Sure, why not? I have him down for four hundred and sixty-three rushing yards on. 85 attempts with four rushing touchdowns. I mean, yes, he is a mobile quarterback. He's a running quarterback. Um, he has been since uh, college. But, like, this is a guy that if he plays, he he's going to have some rust on him for the first couple of weeks after sitting out for an entire year. I, I don't know. I still think that – and. I think that Kevin Stefanski is still going to – he's going to tailor his offense around Watson, obviously, if he plays. But the 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 carries are still going to be there because you can't just make the – you just can't change the entire playbook. You can change parts of your playbook, obviously, but you can't no. change the entire playbook. No, but to put, it, to put it into comparison, though, Baker Mayfield only had 37 carries a year ago, 37 attempts on 134 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. So you're adding about 48 or attempts with another 300 plus yards of rushing. That's going to put a dent into, into Chubb and into, into Hunt. Yes. But I, I also want to preface that statement as well by saying that I'm down on Chubb. So I don't know where the consensus is on Chubb, but I can tell you that the, the consensus and I are not in line 100%. That I am very, very much down on, on Nick Chubb. And by the way, for what it's worth, just going back to the Cameron Brait thing, 
Uh, there is an impact on Mike Evans. Mike Evans is now a top 25 pick for me in full point PPR. Would you like to know where the consensus has Nick Chubb in full sure. point PPR? Sure. 22. I have him at 30. I see. I have him at 30. That makes more sense. And I'm very That's tempted. I'm lower. very tempted to move him down. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Very tempted. Very tempted. Like I look, I'm looking at the likes of of you know, just look at the running back group: Zeke, Barkley, Jacobs, Dobbins. I just see a lot more upside with those guys. I obviously I, I see a lot of risk as well, but I see a lot of risk with Chubb as well. And if I just see more upside with Zeke, with Barkley, with Jacobs, with Dobbins, than I do with than I do with Chubb. I see that. I see that. But Chubb definitely has – is it weird to say that he has a higher floor than those guys? I don't think he has a higher floor than than Zeke. He may have a higher floor than Barkley. He may have the same floor as Jacobs, and he – I don't know if he has a higher floor than Dobbins just because of the offense that Dobbins is in. But it, I, it, there's a case to be made that he does, and I would hear it. But I, I mean, don't think I don't think he's got a higher floor than Zeke. It's two offenses with running quarterbacks, and Lamar Jackson runs way more than Deshaun Watson does. Fair, fair. But I also I also adjusted Chubb a little bit to the speculation about Watson, and also fair. some other factors with him that I'm not necessarily loving. But a lot of it has to do with with Watson. Yeah, and Jacoby Brissett, if he's the starter, he's not really that mobile of a guy. He's more of a pocket passer, so it's going to be very different. Yep, correct, correct. So, I I, me personally, I would I would rather have I I would even though I have Chubb higher right now, I would rather have Zeke, and I probably would rather have J.K. Dobbins as well. And quite honestly, if it's if you're saying it's you know where the consensus is right now at twenty two for Chubb. Versus, where's what's the consensus uh, with uh, Saquon Barkley? Please hold. Sure. I know I'm lower on Barkley too. I'm sure. Twenty five. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm much lower on him. I'm, I'm at thirty seven. Twenty five and full. Yeah, I'm lower on I'm lower on Barkley. I have him at thirty seven. But that can that can obviously change. It can obviously change. But there there definitely is. A uh, huge bounce back potential with with Saquon Barkley. I think I, you know, whether you're picking twenty two versus twenty five or you're going thirty versus thirty seven, I think I'd rather have take the chance on Barkley than I would on on Chubb, just because I don't really see Chubb as being like he his ceiling to me is not top five. Well, Barkley's Barkley, ceiling is higher. His, his ceiling, ceiling is, is RB one. His ceiling is RB one. Yeah. You want to know who is at 37 and full point PPR? You already like it. Is it Josh Allen? No. Is it Zeke? No. I'll really like it? Yeah. Come on. You really like it. You know him. You love him. I love him. Yeah. Is it Cam Akers? It is Cam Akers. Get the fuck out of here. I have Cam Akers at 20. Yeah. Mm. No, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. I am at 23. 
You were close, actually. You were really close. So you guessed Josh Allen, Zeke, and yeah, I think you guessed just Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah, it was, it was two. It was Josh Allen and Zeke. Josh Allen's at 35, and Zeke is at 38. Wow. Look at this. Well, listen. I'm just a genius. We have a man here with his thumb on the scale a little bit, you know, as a member of the consensus. That's me. I got my my thumb on the pulse. This is like you're on Family Feud, and you are part of the survey. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Survey says, bing! All right. Well. Would you like to move on now to uh, regression candidates? Absolutely. We've successfully killed about 46, 41 minutes of the program. That's how you do it. All right. I will go first with the, with my quarterback. And this is a regression candidate that I don't want to happen because I, I'm rooting for his development. But I think it might happen. And that's uh, Mr. Justin Herbert. He threw for 5,000 yards last year. For 38 touchdowns, and um, he had oh, lot his rookie year was the one where he had like a million rushing touchdowns on QB sneaks. This year he only had three. Yes, but yeah, his rushing um, his rookie year he had five, I believe, something like that. It was pretty. It was like it was a lot. I think it was a five. million. Might be might be a bit much. I he think had it five. Was five because I think the projection for rushing touchdowns that I have is like. Is, is sitting around three or four. Uh, yeah, sitting at three. It was five. Correct. So, uh, yeah. So, Justin Herbert, I don't want it to happen, but I think that the yard, I think it's going to be like a balancing act, sort of, where like the touchdowns might go up. He might hit 40 for the first time in his, uh, in his career with that 30-year bounce, but he might not throw for 5,000 yards again. Which is honestly not the worst thing in the world, because he still is. He'll still be a top five quarterback, probably, at least top ten. Yeah, yeah, and and Herbert's going to be fine. I mean, no matter uh, where you take him, uh, in my ranks, I have Herbert going at forty eighth overall. So he's kind of like at that spot in like round five where you know you start considering quarterback, which is fine. I mean, that that that's that's an obtainable range. I don't mind that for. For, for Herbert, but I do agree with, with the regression. I have uh, Herbert uh, for 400 less yards than he had in 2021. I have him down for a shade over 4,600 yards. I have him down for 35 passing touchdowns. I have him down for about 14 interceptions. And then, of course, the three rushing touchdowns that I alluded to, alluded to earlier. So, uh, yeah, I, I would agree that I think some regression is coming. For Justin Herbert, I think we also have to point out that when we talk about regression, we're talking about negative regression here. What we need, what we mean by negative regression, is stats that will go back to the mean. So guys that stood out in particular statistical categories that we consider to be outliers that we think are going to come back down to what we would normally expect their numbers to be around, what their average numbers would would sort of be. And there's two types. There's the negative regression, which is they're going to come back and they're going to be lesser than what their peak may be, but they're still going to be fine. And there's positive, reg- there's positive regression. Yes, I was getting The Knicks are still fucking with my head. Positive regression, which is a guy had a down year, but we expect him to go back to being a consistent, solid performer. 
based off of other seasons where he was successful in that regard. So I guess for an example of negative regression, Justin Herbert would be a great example of that. Doesn't mean he's going to be bad, but we're just, you know, kind of going back to what his averages are going to be. And then positive regression, an example of that could be a Michael Thomas, for example. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. Sure. Yep. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, maybe. That's that's another example of, of positive regression. Some would call those bounce back ends. We already did an episode on that. Listen correct, to it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Listen to it, please. It's very good. Um, I think one of mine it was positive regression, although I don't know for sure. I don't remember for sure. I put this together uh, yesterday. But well, I, I definitely had positive regression coming from Alan Robinson. I definitely had it coming from Mike Kosicki. Um, Matt Ryan, not really. And Dave Montgomery, kind of, kind of. But Alan Robinson and Mike Kosicki um, were two that I had. I know that the definitely uh, is positive regression candidates. I do have one. One of my running backs that I had on this list was, on my list was positive regression. Dalvin Cook is one with touchdowns. Mm. Yeah. He only had six touchdowns. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got to have more than that uh, heading into this season. I can tell you, you know, where I, uh, how much I have uh, Dalvin Cook down for, if you would like to know. Sure. I'm down for 10. So, yeah, yeah that's and a great example. Dalvin Cook's six touchdowns kept him outside the top 10, almost outside the top 15 in uh, – in, oh, whoops. Hold on. Why did it default to standard? PPR should be standard. Dumb, dumb, very dumb. Is this, is this on my website? Uh, Dalvin Cook was outside the, the top 15 uh, in full point PPR last yeah. year. Yeah, but he also he also only played a year ago in 13 games. So Correct. that didn't help him either. So if he played, yes. I mean, just going off the games that he missed, he missed against Seattle. He probably would have scored a touchdown there. Missed against Detroit, probably would have scored two touchdowns there. Missed against Detroit again, probably would have scored another two touchdowns there. And then he missed against the Rams, which you probably wouldn't have done, you know, a whole lot uh, against because the Rams are a pretty good uh, team uh, defensively. So, I mean, you're taking away his two matchup against the Detroit Lions, and that you're probably taking away three, four touchdowns right there from, from Dalvin Cook. And then right there, he's back at that nine, 10 touchdown mark. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, Dalvin Cook. It's interesting, though, because with the new offense for the Vikings, with whatever Kevin O'Connell wants to do, I think he's going to want to get Dalvin Cook more involved, even though he's incredibly involved already. But um, maybe more in the passing game as well, because they know that coming from a kind of a throw-first offense with Sean McVay's system, Kevin Kevin O'Connell, former quarterback also, I think it'll be interesting to see how Dalvin Cook is utilized heading into the season. A throw first offense that, that does not really utilize pass catching running backs. That's also something else to consider as sort of like what the downside is with Dalvin Cook. That is a possible downside that the Sean McVay style of offense doesn't really have much usage of pass catching running backs in that system because they really rely on one receiver being the go-to guy. So 
I mean, immediately with, with Kevin O'Connell, it just points to Justin Jefferson just, just having a boom sort of year. But that's not saying that Dalvin Cook is going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination because we know what, what uh, Sean McVay running backs are like. The, the, being a Rams running back under Sean McVay has proven to be one of the most fruitful fantasy opportunities since Sean McVay has been the head coach in Los Angeles. He's given us Todd Gurley. He's given us a league winner in Cam Akers. He gave us Darrell Henderson and then Sony Michelle to end the season. So there are plenty of opportunities for a Sean McVay system running back to produce and be good for fantasy. And that's what I think Dalvin Cook could potentially be. So as far as far as positive regression goes, yes, Dalvin Cook is a great candidate to be potential positive regression. And I I, I think I'm not there yet because I, I, there's some things that I have to work out just on my end, but I have him at nine and there's just something that's really, 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 really tempting me to move down and cook up. Yeah. You, you just look at a guy, you look at the stat sheet and you're like, really? He had this season. He had this kind of season. Where's the consensus on, on cook? Uh, I'm not going to move him. I'm just curious. Okay. Yeah. Move him to change the consensus. Um, let me just check my of course it still defaults to standard, which should not which it should not do. But Dalvin Cook is at five in full PPR. He is at five. So, he's, so they have him above Najee. No, no, they do not. They have Najee at four. Wait, okay. So so their top three is okay. Taylor. Yeah. McCaffrey. Okay, Eckler. I have Eckler over McCaffrey. All right. Najee, Cook, Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, Travis Kelsey. Okay, there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm just higher on Henry. That's it. I'm just higher on Henry than than the consensus is. And probably lower on McCaffrey, who is at two, which I don't think you would ever have him at two. Oh, I have McCaffrey at three. I have McCaffrey at three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to be I have to be partial with my my ranks. I mean, McCaffrey's at three. I'm not going to draft him, but I have to be partial with it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. One running back that is definitely probably going to have negative regression is. Oh, I James didn't get my quarterback. Oh, I didn't get my I didn't Sorry. get my quarterback yet. We've been talking about Dalvin Cook the entire time. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I thought I'll, we we just moved on. Oh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll keep this very quick. I think this one is, is very self-explanatory. Um, and I know Jake's not going to love this one because I know Jake is going to want him uh, in a lot of places. And it, it just feels like, you know, saying, you know, avoid him at all costs just feels like, you know, low-hanging fruit sort of thing. Um, but I just don't really see the ceiling this year for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I just think that, you know, big-time negative regression is coming his way. And if we're looking at the projections for him, I'm looking at about 40, I'm looking at about 4,400 yards, which, you know, if we're saying, you know, negative regression coming in that department, 4,400 yards is his most since 2018. But I also think there's a big time where the correct regression part comes in is with the touchdowns. I have Aaron Rodgers down for 30 touchdowns. Which, if we're going oh, off the seven less, numbers, seven less than last year, seven less than last year, and then it would be eighteen less from twenty twenty. That's where the regression 
comes in for Aaron Rodgers uh, with my with my ranks. But he also is very, very difficult to project and to say that he's a guy that I don't love because everybody is going to feel that same way. And the guys that a lot of people are not necessarily flocking to are the guys that I want because I know there's going to be less competition for them. And especially when you have a name like Aaron Rodgers that you have, obviously if you're in um, newer or lesser competitive leagues, then of course a name like Aaron Rodgers is going to to draw significant attention. But if you're in deeper competitive leagues, like for me, I know I'm going to be in a a bunch of expert leagues this year. And I know that a lot of people within the community and within the industry are very down on Aaron Rodgers. So I know for me, based on the level of competition that I'm going to be playing against this year, that I know there is a chance that I could get a decent enough value on Aaron Rodgers, even though I'm not a, the, the biggest fan of Rodgers. I have him in my ranks at 104. So it's again, it all goes back to value-based drafting. We've talked about a, th- a thousand and one different times where if I'm sitting in round 12 or round 13 and I see Aaron Rodgers sitting there, guess what? I'm going to fucking take Aaron Rodgers because I know sure. the ceiling with Aaron Rodgers is he's winning the MVP for the third straight fucking year and I'm going to look like a goddamn genius. Yep, and that's how I looked into Matt Stafford last year. I was like, I waited too long on a quarterback. I was like, huh, Matt Stafford might actually pan out for me going into a a new high-powered offense. And look at Matt Stafford. He ended up being the fifth-ranked. He ended up being the QB5 in fantasy this year. So, you know, that worked out. Yeah, and I got the QB1 with the last pick of that draft. His name was Tom Brady. (laughs) And I didn't want him. I didn't want Brady. But Brady was going to go undrafted. I was like, Am I? I'm not going to be stupid and let Tom Brady go in round 14. I know. If Tom Brady went undrafted, I probably would have popped some champagne. It would have been hilarious. There was. If I am in a if I am in a league, there is no way that Tom Brady is ever going to go undrafted. Just period. There's just no way. I'll keep some champagne on ice. I'll just say that. Well, or you better do a league that that doesn't have me in it. Wait, the Q, Tom Brady wasn't the QB one last year. He was oh, QB3. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, it was Josh Allen. QB1 was Josh Allen. Yes, it was Josh Allen. Still, though. Well, Tom Brady was – he, he finishes what? The QB4? Three. three. The QB3. Yes, I apologize. I apologize. Mahomes, so it's Allen, Herbert, Brady, yep. Mahomes, Stafford. Yes. Yeah, I knew I knew Herbert was above him. Um, but I, did, I just didn't know where. Didn't know where. But anyway, those are two good examples of drafting quarterbacks late where it just works out for you. Well, it all goes, it all goes back down to, to the drafting QB at the back of the bus, you know, sort of uh, strategy that we talk about at nauseum. Uh, yeah, on, especially on if you're show. in a shallow league like we were, where you're in a 10-team league, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get a re- you're going to get a good guy at the back of the draft. You're not getting Absolutely. like who are you're not getting flotsam and jetsam, whatever the fuck at the back of the draft, like if you were in a 14-team league, for example, right, um, or in a 2QB league also, where you're, like, if you wait to draft in a 2QB league, then you might not be getting the guys that you want at all. 
well, every team, every team in a two QB league has to have three. And if you're in a 10, 30 quarterbacks are being drafted, ideally. Yep. If the, if the league is doing it right, 30 quarterbacks are going to be drafted, sometimes more, because I know that there are teams out there that will draft four quarterbacks just to have four quarterbacks on the roster, and that's it. I mean, it makes sense, but yeah. All right, well, I went first with quarterbacks. Why don't you go with running backs? And I kind of gave one already for running backs, but I have a second one. So unless you take mine, I'll go again. Uh, I'm not going to take yours. I'm not going to take yours. I'm sure, unless I'm, you know, really going to be, you know, uh, you know, super surprised. Um, but there are a couple guys that I, I did want to uh, put down here. But there is one. Uh, there was a clear, clear runaway uh, in terms of just what I have him down for uh, with the projections versus what he did a year ago, and that's James Connor of the. Oh, you fucking took mine. Sorry, sorry. You it, James Conner for me. I mean, eight jump, t- jumps off the page. Yeah, he's yeah, a clearly. touchdown a game player. Mm-hmm. More than a touchdown a game player. There's no way you can keep that up. Yeah, his expected his expected touchdown rate this year is sitting at eleven point four five touchdowns, which is about a six and a half difference from what he finished with um, in 2021. I have him down for uh, ten touchdowns. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fine return. It's double digit touchdowns, which, you know, if we're going to put, if we're going to put, you know, I have him down for 10 rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. So you're telling me he's going to be a double digit touchdown guy. That's still fine. And I have him going right now, 29th overall. So you're getting him at the back end of round three. That's fine. That's fine. That's not. That's not terrible by by any stretch of the imagination, but you cannot expect James Conner to have 18 touchdowns again. And let's also not forget that James Conner played in the most games of his career last year at 15. He basically is a somewhere in the range of 13, 14 games a season. So I would not expect James Conner, especially after he got the bag to necessarily be the most healthy. That's not something that obviously I can project because that's, that's, that's unfair, but based off of history, James Conner has had issues staying on the field. So would it surprise me if James Conner missed some games? No, it would not surprise me, which also leads into the negative touchdown regression that is probably coming from someone like James Conner, who I'm just trying to look here to see uh, the rushing stats. He had 752 from a year ago. I have him down for 897. So he gets an uptick in the rushing yards. I think I also gave him, yes, I gave him 29 more carries, but then the huge, huge regression in the touchdown department. And this is even with uh, DeAndre Hopkins suspension being upheld. Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. That is with DeAndre Hopkins on the shelf for the first six weeks. Yep. And it just, it really does jump off, jump right off the page. You know, looking at the yardage compared to the touchdowns, like this is a classic case of regression for me. Also, yeah. 
yeah, and I don't I don't know if this helps anybody um, at all. But just going back to the whole Alvin Kamara thing at the top of the show, um, if he's suspended for six games, same as DeAndre Hopkins is. I have DeAndre Hopkins down at 85th overall. So that's probably where Alvin Kamara is going to go somewhere in, in like round nine. If that helps anybody. I mean, that would be okay value. I mean, that would be pretty good value, actually. The problem I mean, is, getting... is that you need to win. You need to win to see any sort of value with Kamara. Otherwise, he's just going to be fucking useless for you. Well, the thing is, you're, if you draft well at the top of the draft, then when Alvin Kamara comes back, I know. You can't predict that. We're doing this with the same fucking team again. I know. The same fucking team again it's like do you want to do that do you want to do it twice and there are going to be people that are going to do it because obviously situation is different it was injury this is suspension got it but can you waste a roster spot on alvin kamara no you're not going to have for six games you go oh and six he's useless to you you go one and five He's useless to you. Well, honestly, it's weird that I didn't see it that way. But yes, this is kind of like a Michael Thomas thing. Very much and so. If uh, if this was Michael Thomas, I'd be saying, fuck no. Why would you ever do that? Absolutely right. So why do I change? Why did I say something different here? Maybe because Alvin Kamara has more of a proven track record of success, potentially. And also because he's not injured. What? Michael Thomas is the most receptions by a wide receiver in a season in NFL history. In one season. Just one season. It's proven track record, though. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that there was, the, there was the proven track record with Michael Thomas, too. Well, more of, I'm saying. Alvin Kamara has done well for more seasons than Michael Thomas has. Oh, do I agree with that? I don't think I do. No, I don't think I agree with that. Because, I mean, before last year, Adam, Michael Thomas was a thousand-yard receiver every year of his career. He had nine, five, nine, nine touchdowns. 2021 didn't play at all. 2020, seven games, no touchdowns, basically a dud. But... 2019, 2016 to 2019, he was a dog. He was an absolute dog. Versus now we're talking with Alvin Kamara. We're going to his stats. Alvin Kamara has been a thousand yard rusher in his career. Alvin Kamara hasn't had a thousand receiving yards either. He's an 80 catch guy. Well, combined, all purpose yards, I mean. For Kamara, that's where his value is in PPR. Sure, but then I could also I could also counter that with saying that I would rather have Michael Thomas, who from 2016 to 2019 was basically a 90 catch guy. 92, 104, 125, Either way, I think I the mean, resume is more impressive than Michael Thomas, if you ask me. And I think the situation is more well. Hindsight now, 
But I think the situation now in New Orleans with Jameis there, it's just so much beneficial, more beneficial to Michael Thomas than it is to Alvin Kamara. Probably. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm saying that, oh, Alvin Kamara is not going to have a role when he comes back or anything. He's going to have a role. He's going to slide right back in as, number, as the number one running back for the, in the New Orleans Saints. But what I'm saying is you cannot do what you did with Michael Thomas a year ago and expect that, you know, poof, Alvin Kamara comes back at six games, no issue at all. Suspension, sure, versus it was injury with Michael Thomas, suspension with Alvin Kamara, absolutely. But we've seen crazier things happen before. And for the sake of your fantasy teams, Michael Thomas wasn't helping you if you were one and five, oh, and six. He sure as shit wasn't helping you when he didn't come back. Same thing with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara does Alvin, Alvin Kamara comes back and you're one and five, oh, and six. He's not fucking helping you. I don't care where you got him. I could say, well, oh wow, that's that's the best value I've ever seen. You could take Alvin Kamara, who normally be a top 15 pick in round 11. I would say, wow, good for you, Mazel Tov, congratulations. But you could be 0-6, and it won't fucking matter. That's true. I don't know. Maybe it's my, some for some reason, inherent bias toward Michael Thomas. It could be, for sure. Oh, I, I love, could. I see, see, for me, I have a soft spot in my heart for Michael Thomas. Because... I had Michael Thomas every year, 2016, 2019, but I also had Michael Thomas 2020 and 2021. But I've won championships with Michael Thomas, so I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for him. I have never won a championship with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and he's one of the reasons why you don't like drafting players from the Saints also. Uh, he's a reason why I don't like naming, uh, drafting players named Alvin and the last name being Kamara. Well, I remember after the year that you drafted him, uh, what was it, 20, 2020 or 21? Uh, I believe it was 2020. Where you said, I'm never drafting another New Orleans Saints player again on this very podcast? It was 2019. We weren't even podcasting in 2019. It was 2019. Well, because I've talked about it uh, so freaking much. Hold on, I could I could tell you if it was twenty nine. Yeah, it was twenty nineteen. Yep, one hundred percent. Huh? Because he had one touchdown the entire year, and then week sixteen championships when he had successfully buried me, he had two touchdowns, and then week seventeen, but didn't fucking matter, he had another two touchdowns. It's kind of like what happened in twenty twenty, where he had like eight in week. Was it? Was that in championships that year? Yeah. It was uh, Christmas. Yeah, that was a fun game. Dipshit, I hate him. Poor Viking. Uh, Poor Vikings fans. I hate him so much. Uh, Your running back, please. Well, Dalvin Cook was positive regression. Okay, all right. So yeah, we we and, then, and we agreed on Kamara. All right, so we can go to receivers. No, and then we and then you stole James Conner. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, James Conner. All right, so we can go to receivers. Okay. Um. Just because I, I also I also want to go to bed and I want to go cry about the New York Knicks. Fair. Uh, this is an interesting one because we don't really know what his mean is because this is a player going into his second year and it's Joe Waddle. Ooh. 
Not the second year receiver that I thought you were going to say. Who did you think I was going to? Oh, no, not him. I think Jamar Chase is going to be fine. I don't. I have significant touchdown regression coming for Jamar Chase. And he was the guy that I was, I was going to say. I had two guys down, uh, Jamar Chase and somebody else, who, who I, will, I will say, uh, considering we're on the Jamar Chase thing. But, yeah, I have Jamar Chase down for seven touchdowns versus 13 that he had in uh, 2020. I mean, granted, Jalen Waldo didn't have, like, a great season uh, to begin with where he was just over a thousand yards and six receiving touchdowns with the run with the one rushing touchdown. But I still think with uh, Tyree kill there now, who is going to be a target hog when he's on his game. Um, I just don't think the numbers are there with Waddle as a number two receiver. I think so he's going to be a number two. You think what? he, do you think he's a sub thousand yard receiver? Well, he's pretty close to being a sub thousand yard receiver last year. So well, I do, think. Do, do you this, think so? This this year he might be. So then you wouldn't be drafting him at thirty one overall, where I have him. Probably not. No. So for Tyreek Hill, I have Tyreek Hill down for ninety six catches, one thousand two hundred and nine yards at six touchdowns. And then for Jalen Waddle, I have Waddle down for 88 catches on 1,027 yards and five touchdowns. So how does the math work on that, I guess? Because he had 100 catches last year for just over 1,000. So you're thinking he has more yards per catch? Yes. Yes, correct. I think the yards per reception go up. Gotcha. Because yards per reception nine, go up. He had 9.8 yards per reception last yep. year. Yep. So you're thinking that's double digits then? Yeah, I think he, he'll crack double. Point. He'll crack double digits. Because he he is a deep threat for sure. He can um, be. He can be. I think you'll see a lot of underneath stuff, but I think defenses are going to be so um, tempted and and busy or occupied is the word I'm looking for with uh with Tyreek that it could see a lot of underneath stuff for Waddle and that could be a lot of breakaway stuff which is good which which is fine. Um I mean yeah I do have my concerns about Waddle. I do but I just have general concerns about Miami as a whole just because I'm not really tempted to want to go and invest in that if I'm being quite honest. I mean yeah it's uh, you know, you have questions around surrounding the quarterback whether or not he's good enough for for the offense. Um you have a a new guy there who is taking over your spot as the number one receiver in the offense, the focal point of the offense in Tyreek Hill. You know, the cards are not there, or I guess the situation isn't there for Jalen Waddle to have a monster second season jump. And listen, I could eat my words for sure, but I, I just don't see it at this point in time. Yeah, there could be, there definitely could be. I, I, I see it. I see it. I would be comfortable though with Waddle in round four. I, me personally, I would be. Who, well, who is he around? Let's play a game. Would you rather Jalen Waddle or Deontay Johnson? That's another one that's like, he, I could have put him down for regression also. Um, 
I think I'd hmm, I think I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. I have Deontay Johnson two spots higher, and I don't love it. Uh, Jalen Waddle or Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman. Waddle for me. I have Waddle one spot higher than Pittman. Jalen Waddle or AJ Brown? I like. Oh, this is t- kind of a tough one, also, because AJ Brown is very good, but he's also very injury prone. Mm-hmm. So you got to balance that out. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd rather have. I might. It's tough, though. I'd rather have Waddle. I'd rather have Brown. I have Brown. I have Brown four spots higher. Uh, Mike Evans or Jalen Waddle? Mike Evans. Mike Evans. With the, I Gronk, Mike Ev- with the Gronk news, it's actually pretty easy for me. Yeah. Mike Evans is six spots higher. I'm tending to move him up even more. Um, actually, I'm going to. He's going to be seven spots higher. Uh, Jalen Waddle or T. Higgins? Our good friend. <laughs> Our wonderful friend, T. Higgins. It seems, Higgins. Weird. it seems weird this year that we're not blasting T. Higgins in his ADP. Feels really weird. Yeah, well, because T. Higgins is good now. Um, eh. I think he's. I, I. I think it's a little bit expensive for my blood, but I understand it though. But Waddle or uh, Higgins, two number two. You know, this is two number two receivers. Yeah, very I very think, similar positions. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Higgins for the offense and the quarterback. See, I'd rather have Waddle. It's not close. Really, it's not yeah, close. Not close. How not many close. spots? Eight. Whoa. I'm an eight spot oh difference. Eight spot difference between Wall and Higgins. I asked that on purpose because I, I, I was curious. I figured. <laughs> uh, Waddle or Brandon Cooks? Uh, Brandon Cooks. That's the classic argument of floor versus ceiling. He's one of my. Cooks he's floor. one of my favorite floor targets this year. I I, I just love it. Like, it's so boring. It's so unspectacular, but it's just so solid and so steady. When did Brandon Cooks turn into, go from being an explosive playmaker at Oregon State and with the Saints to being a boring floor guy in fantasy football? Literally. Uh, Where did the transition happen? Incredible. The year of our Lord, 2022. I know. Brandon Cooks. Can you imagine you go back? 10 years ago when Brandon Cooks was drafted, like, you know, in 10 years, Brandon Cooks is going to be a guy that just gets you a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. With no questions asked. Yeah. Who would you rather have? Cooks or Waddle? Who would, who would I rather have? Um, I would rather have, well, you know me, I'd rather have Brandon Cooks. I'd rather, have, <laughs> I'd rather have Waddle. Yeah. 12 spot difference. 12 spot difference. 12-spot difference between Waddle and Cooks in full-point PPR. And then one more, Jalen Waddle or the guy who is my regression candidate in Debo Samuel. Ooh, he was my second choice, Debo, or uh, my second choice regression candidate. Very self-explanatory. Yes, incredibly self-explanatory. Literally just take his rushing, which was basically half of his fantasy production, and just, and then there you go. Debo Samuel's like outside the top 20. Yep. Um, I think I'd rather have Waddle in this scenario. I'd rather have Debo still. I I, st- I'm, I still would rather have uh would still rather would have Debo. Um, but yeah, I'm just worried about the whole Debo situation. It, it's it seems like everything is just stacked against 
members of the San Francisco pass catching unit from being productive just because we also don't know who the starting quarterback is right now. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, they lost their offensive coordinator for one thing. They lost, you know, Mike McDaniel. They lost him true. to Miami. True. Um, yeah. Well, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, then I could kind of say, all right, you know, there's proven success there. And we're like, okay, all right. I, I, I see it with Kittle and with, with Debo and even with like Elijah Mitchell to, to an extent. But if it's Trey Lance, we don't know. We, we, we don't know what that offense is going to look like. And that worries me with Debo. The projections for Debo are a bit fluid just because of that. But I definitely have him ticked down uh, in terms of receptions. I have him only down for 65 receptions, which from a year ago, that is a 12 uh, catch difference. Yes, 12 catch difference from a year ago at just over 1,000 yards, which is a massive drop off from 1,400 yards from a year ago. Uh, the six touchdowns that he had a year ago, I have him pretty much in line with that at about five uh, receiving touchdowns. And if we're looking at the rushing stats, I have him down for 35 carries. So I do expect that he's going to, you know, be used less in that side of, uh, of the offense where he had eight touchdowns in that department a year ago. I have him down for only four. So I just see mass statistical regression coming from Debo Samuel. Across the board, really. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a pretty easy one. Yeah. Independent of quarterback, in my opinion, because Debo Samuel not having as much involvement in the rushing is going to really like, I don't think I see that production going into his receiving, if that makes any sense. Sure. We're like, if even though he is going to be used less as a, in the running game, that's not going to automatically mean that he's going to have more yardage and more touchdowns as a receiver. It just means that those points that he had before are just not going to be there for him this year. Correct. And obviously the numbers can change with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. And I would expect them to be given a little bit of boost Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but we don't know right now. We, we just don't. Yep. We don't know what the offense is going to look like um, and who's going to be leading it. Hey, uh, look, we have a player. The Knicks draft somebody? Yes. Who? What's his name? He is. What's his name? He is from Duke. Duke! Who? Who? Tell me. What's his, his name? His name is. He doesn't play point guard, unfortunately. Paolo Pancaro! <laughs> His name is Trevor Keels. Oh! Oh! Oh, the fuck are you? He plays small forward. We need a replacement for Julius Randle. But Julius Randle plays power forward. Oh, you said small? I'm losing my fucking mind. I I heard power forward. Oh God! Oh, it's a replacement for RJ Barrett. No, no, they're just gonna play RJ Barrett at the two. Okay, good. So it's a replacement. It's a replacement for Evan Fournier. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of good. I like that actually because oh, Evan, Fournier, Evan Fournier is terrible. Oh, 
whenever whenever I, whenever I do shows with Jake and Jake just says Evan Fournier, it makes me laugh. It just makes me fucking laugh. <laughs> oh God, we're all going to hell quick. Uh, all right, tight end, so I can go to bed and cry about the New York Knicks. Um, a tight end for me, very. This is really actually very simple for me as well. Um, and that's Dawson Knox. Uh, nine touchdowns a year ago. I have him now projected four. If I can pull it up on the spreadsheet, thank you very much. I have him down for five touchdowns this year, and it's pretty simple for me. Um, I, I think there's going to be much more emphasis on the run game. Uh, in Buffalo, I obviously have uh, James Cook ranked pretty highly uh, with Buffalo Bills. I have him just in and around my top 100, so that definitely you know uh, takes a bit of a, a toll on the rest of the offense, the rest of the passing game. Uh, as well, and that you know, it's gonna be some touch did you steal? I was looking at some of the uh draft trade compensation for the New York Knicks. Did you take my tight end regression candidate? Did you say Dawson Knox? Yeah, mm-hmm. Fuck. I can, I'll give another one at this. I'll give another one at this. I'll cover for you, Adam. <laughs> cover for you, Adam, so I can, I can go to bed. Um, but yeah, Dawson, Dawson Knox, I mean, they're just a couple numbers right off the page that that, that you know, just bang. You know, right away. And I thought this is a very interesting anecdote that um, that I was told actually on another program this week that I wrote down just specifically for this. So uh, Dawson Knox led the NFL last year with a 12.7 touchdown rate. Since 2017, there have been 32 touchdowns that have had a touchdown rate of over 10%, and not a single one has improved their mark the following season. So Unless you think Dawson Knox is going to be the outlier, he's not going to be improving on a 12.7% touchdown rate. And what also is going and working against him. Is that touchdowns is, per game or touchdowns per reception? Like, like how, like how often is reception per receptions? Yep. Okay. Per reception. Um, and including those 32, by the way, is a guy by the name of Mark Andrews. So even he has fallen uh, victim to this stat, but what also is working against him as well is they've brought in competition for him at his own position with OJ yep. Howard. Yep. So not only is he competing in a very loaded offense with Stefan Diggs, James Cook, he's also going to be competing in his own position with OJ Howard. So that is not good. So if you think that Dawson Knox, and, and listen, he was a great story last year. Great waiver wire pickup, and he just scored touchdowns at will. He it literally like tied that. for the lead in touchdowns with tight ends with yep. nine. Yep, yep, nine touchdowns for for from Dawson Knox a year ago. Very 2016 Lester of him to just play out of his skin. True, true, very, 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 very true. But do we expect that Dawson Knox is going to be able? to have nine touchdowns again? No. Do we expect that? Okay, let's just say now Dawson Knox goes from nine touchdowns to five touchdowns with O.J. Howard still there now with competition. I just don't see how he gets more than 50 catches. So he's got to be pretty damn special with the catches that he does have. He didn't even, have, he didn't even get 50 catches last year at 49. Right. Right. He's going to be pretty damn special if he's going to improve on his receptions to even to be anywhere close 
to being worthwhile or being considered anything more than just a weekly streamer, if I'm, if I'm being you know really honest. See, here's the thing. So if Dawson Knox, if the yardage is the same, he had 587 yards, but his touchdowns go to five, he turns into just a guy. Yeah. At that point, yep. like, like you said. Yes. He, he turns, just into, tur- just he a turns guy. into a guy. Yep. Spot on. He's not, he's not a special tight end. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like a Hunter Henry, Dallas Goddard, Mike Kosicki, those guys. Well, Hunter um, Henry is a Hall of Fame tight end. Yes. According well, to you know, someone on this program. Yeah. I'm a little shaky on that ever since he joined the dark side. Love ever him. since he's to come to the dark side. Love him. He's a great guy. He also is the second uh, regression candidate that I have in store. And same thing with uh, Hunter Henry that I have with Dawson Knox is Hunter Henry's touchdown rate was 12%. So fill in what I said about there's been 32 tight ends since 2017 that have had a touchdown rate of over 10 of over 10%. And the following year, none of them been able to improve on that. Hunter Henry. Their I, set lines are eerily similar. If you look at them, they're eerily similar. Yeah. Hunter Henry had 50 catches, 603 yards, and nine touchdowns. Dawson Knox had 49 catches, 587 yards, and nine touchdowns. How well, weird. Well, ask me, the next question that you're supposed to be asking me is, who do I think has a chance to actually repeat that? And my answer would be Hunter Henry over Well, Dawson mine Knox. too. So do you think so you think Hunter Henry will all said and done next year or this year will be will finish higher than Dawson Knox? I think they're gonna be very similar. I think they're gonna be very, very similar. They're gonna be technically street- Hunter Henry has competition at his position also, but I think Hunter Henry has really beaten out John Smith at tight end. Oh yeah, he has. I think he's got a much better rapport with Mac Jones than John Smith does. Um and he's got lesser competition at receiver because New England doesn't have a hundred catch receiver on the roster like Buffalo does. That takes a significant dent into what you do at tight end. So with that being said, I do see there is a chance for Hunter Henry to, I don't want to say a chance. Who do I see if there's one guy that I had to pick as to who could repeat what they did a year ago and maybe eclipsing having more than a 10% touchdown rate, Hunter Henry would be my pick. I don't think I either of them you. do, but if I had to pick one, it would be Hunter Henry. I agree with you on all counts. I think point. they're both they're both going to be touchdown or bust streaming options throughout the year. But I think to expect Dawson Knox to do what he did again is a little, op- a little too optimistic for my blood. And Agreed. I like to Agreed. consider myself a little optimistic. But like that's Agreed. a little bit too optimistic. Yep, and I think same thing. Same thing with Hunter Henry as well. I think both. If you're expecting anything very similar to what they did a year ago, I think you need to lower your expectations a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes where you get your podcast. For my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time. Next time. Everyone, catch up on all we want. We'll be talking about it at the end of the show. We'll catch you then. Bye bye.